Lord, we come to you today and we are so thankful that you are our God and that we can be here as a group of ladies and we can go to your word and your word can wash over us, it can train us, it can teach us, it can um, just be something we can always go to. And we just thank you so much that you've given us your word and we pray that you would um, bless this time today and uh, we just pray that you would be with our leaders as they are making these difficult decisions, Lord, and that um, you would just work that um, in the whole situation so that we can continue to worship together. <coughs> and these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, <coughs> so when Katie first talked to me about teaching, oh, my name's Karen Chance, by the way. I met somebody new today. Where's Marilyn? <laughs> um, but when she first uh, mentioned this lesson on diligence versus laziness, my first thought was, I'm both of those things. And it'll be interesting to see what a search of God's word tells me. So I've enjoyed the search a lot and I'm looking forward to sharing some of the things that I found. Um, most of this is not mine. It's a combination of commentaries and blogs and sermons. And I'm just so thankful for the vast resources that we have access to. And so <coughs> you guys just went through all the questions. In a nutshell, laziness is bad, diligence is good. <laughs> That's the lesson. Um, Proverbs 10, 4, and 5 says, a slack hand causes, and don't, you don't need the hands out, handouts yet. I'll get to those in a minute. Proverbs 10, 4, and 5 says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings to shame. And... <coughs> Matthew Henry said about those two verses, in verse four, those who deal with a slack hand who are careless and remiss in their business, nor ever set their hands vigorously to their work or stick to it, those who deal with a deceitful hand, so it may be read, those who think to enrich themselves by fraud and tricking will in the end impoverish themselves, not only by bringing the curse of God on what they have, but by forfeiting their reputation with men. None will care to deal with those who deal with sleight of hand and are honest only with good looking to. And those who are diligent and honest, those who are careful about their affairs and what their hands find to do, do it with all their might in a fair and honorable way. Those are likely to increase what they have. This is true in the affairs of our souls as well as our worldly affairs. Slothfulness and hypocrisy lead to spiritual poverty. Those who are fervent in spirit serving the Lord are likely to be rich in faith and rich in good works. And the second verse there, verse 5, <clears throat> he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. The just praise of those who improve their opportunities, who take pains to gather and increase what they have, both for soul and body, who provide for hereafter while provision is to be made, who gather in summer, which is gathering time. He who does so is a wise son, and it is his honor. He acts wisely for his parents, and he gives reputation to himself, his family, and his education. The just reproach and blame of those who trifle away these opportunities, he who sleeps, loves his ease, idles away his time, and neglects his work, 
especially who sleeps in harvest when he should be laying in for winter, who lets slip the season of furnishing himself with that which he will have occasion for is a son that causes shame, for he is a foolish son. He prepares shame for himself when winter comes and reflects shame upon all his friends. He who gets knowledge and wisdom in the day of his youth gathers in summer. He will have the comfort and credit of his industry, but he who idles away the days of his youth will bear the shame of his indolence when he is old. We can see <clears throat> that most of these verses here and the ones in our lesson are mainly talking about the physical result of diligence. Diligence being provision, a good reputation, and then on the contrasting side, laziness, which is poverty and shame. However, this is the Bible, and it's always good to look at the spiritual applications as well. And this subject lends itself really easily to doing that. So we are actually going to start by looking at a whole slew of verses. I'm going to run, this is what your handout is for. I'm going to run through these really quickly um, just to lay a foundation, and then we're going to talk after we get these done. So... Um, I put all the, the references down there for those of you that it drives you crazy if you can't get them all down. <laughs> so you'll have the references of the, um, of the verses. <clears throat> so the first page there is the areas in which we are to be diligent. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just here to show you that there are a lot <laughs> of areas. And as we go through these, just listen to, listen to the verses um, and maybe put a star by those, you know, you get that little prick of, ooh, I need to work on this one a little bit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and as we think about diligence, I know you defined it in your lesson today. The definition of diligence I found was constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Persistent exertion of body or mind. And those are the words that we should have in our, our heads. Constant, persistent. It's not a one-time thing. So, on your sheet, <coughs> areas in which we are to be diligent. Um, Ecclesiastes 9.10 9, says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. And Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herd, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations? And so number one there is work. We're to be diligent in our work. And we saw that over and over in our lessons in Proverbs. Number two, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. <coughs> Another familiar verse from our lesson. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepared her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So number two is being prepared for the future. Prepared for the future. We're to be diligent in that area. Number three, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Re reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so um, three is teaching. Another area we're to be diligent in. And more specifically, number four, um, Deuteronomy 4, or 6, 4 through 7, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So not just teaching, but teaching our children. And that is number four, teaching our children. Number five, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7 says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And so number five is the grace of giving. It's the grace of giving. Number six, <coughs> Hebrews 6, 10 through 12 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we are to be diligent in our labors of love. Our labors of love. Number seven, Isaiah 55, two says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food, which I like to think of as the word of God. And so seven is listen to God. Listen diligently to me is what he tells us there, and we're to be diligent. <laughs> Number eight, Second Peter 1, 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So sure calling is number eight. Sure calling. Number nine, John 9, 4 says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so number nine is our service to God. We are to be diligent in our service to God. <clears throat> number 10, Psalm 77, 6 through 15 says, I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. 
What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And so it, <coughs> um, self-examination. I mean, we have to examine our hearts and we have to see that we have to rely on what God has told us and what God um, has done for us. Number 11, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So number 11 is qualities of a true Christian. We are to be diligent <coughs> um, in improving those qualities of a true Christian. Number 12, 2 Peter 3, 13 and 14. But according to his promises, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Um, so we are to be spotless and at peace. Don't forget those last three words. We're to be diligent at being at peace. I think sometimes as women, we can let anxiousness and things get in our, you know, get in our way. <laughs> but we're to be diligent at being at peace. And that's just relying and trusting in the Lord. Number 13, Proverbs 4, 23 to 27. Um, 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And 24 to 27, it goes on to tell us how to do that. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. And so keep your heart. Heart is number um, 13. Diligent in keeping your heart. And I think about the verse there, it says, don't go to the right or the left. And I think about the lazy person, how much time the lazy person spends swerving to the right or the left to avoid work when it would be so much easier to do it right the first time. I mean, how many times do you tell that to your kids? Just do it right the first time. But it's just as applicable to us as adults. We need to do it right the first time. <laughs> Number 14, Deuteronomy 4, 9, and 10. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And so, again, it says, um, keep your soul diligently. So care of your soul. We're to be diligent in the care of our soul. Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So 15 is fervent in spirit. 16, 1 Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. We're to be diligent in prayer. Prayer is 16. And 17, Acts 14, 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. 
Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And Colossians 1.21-23, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. <clears throat> and so um, the last one there is faith of the gospel. Faith of the gospel. Like I said, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. You could probably all come up with more off the top of your head. Um, but the question is, do you have all of those under control? Are we diligent <laughs> in all those areas? Um, and so it's kind of like that Proverbs 31 woman we talked about in class today. You know, We're not going to be perfect, but it gives us an idea of the areas that we're supposed to be diligent in. And this, um, the next page, the results of diligence, um, some of these were covered in your lesson. I had done this before um, I saw the lesson. So some of these are a repeat, and we're going to run through these really quickly as well, and then I'll, t I'll talk after we get through these, your handouts. But you'll have all the verses, and you'll um, have the foundation. The results of diligence. Proverbs 10.16 says, The wages of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. And so the first result of diligence is life. Life. Hebrews 6, 10 through 12 says, For God is not unjust, we just read this up above, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so one of the, another result is that we inherit the promises. We inherit the promises. Galatians 6, 8 and 9 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So we will reap eternal life. We will reap eternal life. And Proverbs 10:4 which we started with, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Um, you know, Pastor Brian always reminds us that we are among the richest people in the world. Um, but as um, we talked about this morning, it's also spiritual riches. So number four is riches. We gain riches. Proverbs 12, 24 also was one in your lesson. The hand of the diligent will rule while the sloth will be put to forced labor. Rule. Rule. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So we'll have a satisfied soul. Satisfied soul. Number seven, Proverbs 20, 13 says, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Proverbs 12, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. So one of the results is provision. 
of the results is provision. Proverbs 13.11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And so increase, we will see an increase by being diligent. And again, I don't think that's just physical. I also think that's in our spiritual lives as well. Proverbs 22.29, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So we should be diligent when learning our craft or skill and always turn out a quality product. But it says we will stand before kings. It says we stand before kings. Number 10 is one of my favorites. Ecclesiastes 5.12, sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So it says sweet sleep. Sweet sleep. Uh, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. So abundance is number 11. And number 12, Proverbs 15.19, the way of a slugger is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. So an easy path. An easy path. And then your last page there, according to a commentary on Proverbs by Stevenson, the sluggard is almost completely a man of Proverbs. In all its forms, I won't even attempt the Hebrew pronunciation, the word occurs 18 times and all but two of those are in Proverbs. So that's why we look, as we look at your final sheet about the forms of laziness, the verbs all come from Proverbs. So laziness comes in many forms, and a lot of them, you know, the first couple, those are the ones we think of, and a lot of the ones that we talked about in our lesson, but we're going to talk about some other uh, forms that comes in as well. The first one, Proverbs 10, 5b, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Proverbs 20, 13a, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Uh, Proverbs 24, 30 to 34, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Matthew Matthew Henry commenting on that passage wrote, Our souls are our fields and vineyards which we are every one of us to take, uh, to take care of, to dress and to keep. They are capable of being improved with good husbandry that may be got out of them, which will be fruit abounding to our account. We are charged with them to occupy them till our Lord come, and a great deal of care and pains it is requisite that we should take about them. Um, and so obviously the first one is sleep, is sleep. First form of laziness, too much sleep. Number two, Proverbs 10, a slack hand causes poverty, poverty, and in Proverbs 21, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. So two is inactivity, inactivity, not willing to do anything. Number three, Proverbs 12 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And Proverbs 28:19b says, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So they are following worthless pursuits. So it sounds busy to me. They're doing something, but what they're doing is not right. <laughs> they are following worthless pursuits. 
Proverbs um, 12, 27, whoever is slothful will not roast his game. And so we have the picture of the man who's gone out hunting and he's killed his game, but he is too lazy to cook it and too lazy to preserve it. So um, number four, I put wasting good resources. One of the results is, um, one of the forms is that they waste good resources. Um, Number five, Proverbs 13, 4a, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Proverbs 21, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. And Proverbs 14, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. And so I put, I put this under dreaming. Have you ever seen someone, they're all talk and no action. <laughs> you know, they talk a good game, they have all these huge glorious plans, but they come to nothing. So, and number six, um, we've read this one already in Proverbs. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. And the ESV study Bible says, because of his past actions and resultant lack of God's blessing, the life of the sluggard has become like a hedge of thorns, which can be traversed only with great pain and effort. So, um, one of the forms is they have... Extra work due to a difficult path. They actually have extra work due to a difficult path. And then, lastly, Proverbs 22, 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Um, or to quote Benjamin Franklin, he that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. So number seven is making excuses. Making excuses. <clears throat> so those are some of the different forms of laziness. Um, and some of those require a lot of work, a lot of busyness. So this <laughs> next section um, came from a uh, a blog or a sermon written by a pastor in South Africa by the name of Nathan Miller. And I don't know much about him, so I'm not endorsing him, but he had a really unusual take um, on this. He used a scripture that I would never have considered using for this topic, so I thought I'd share it with you. Um, first, he said, we are always being formed. We are formed by vice or virtue. These are the habits that shape us. Are we living with sloth or diligence? And the vice of sloth is easily misunderstood. Sloth is not just a lack of productivity or ambition or hard work. It's not about how busy or exhausted we are. Sloth is not just laziness. Rather, sloth is laziness with what matters most. Sloth is more than an activity. Sloth is the misordering of our endless activities, which leads to death. So he had three points. The first one was sloth hides best in busyness. Sloth is too lazy to change, and sloth is too lazy to love. So his first point, sloth hides best in busyness. This, the scripture pa passage that he used was in Luke 10, in the story of Martha and Mary. And, and um, we see that Mary is caught up in her busyness, and despite her efforts, Jesus rebukes her. Uh, beginning in verse 38, it says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. He said oftentimes we choose to do the lesser things. We do what's easy instead of what's necessary or best. We don't always think of that as laziness, but again, it goes back to it's a matter of priority and a matter of balance. We hide our laziness behind a flurry of activity. We prefer the distraction of busyness. And boy, in our culture, busyness is <laughs> the key word. Um, but we prefer that distraction over the real work of loving and being loved. We move away from God thinking that we are moving toward him. And so his answer was, be diligent, slow down. The first step in the fight against sloth is to slow down. And it's not just slow down and do nothing or even just do less. It's slow down from being busy. It's slowing down to reorder our activities and give ourselves over to the right things those things that we're to be diligent in. Um, one of the things we learned from our study this week is that laziness is about the results, poverty. Not just poverty of material goods, but poverty of spirit and poverty of relationships. We looked a lot at a lot of things we are to be diligent in, so we need to reevaluate our lives and determine where our poverty is and what areas of diligence are we neglecting. Where are we poor? His second point um, is sloth is too lazy to change. Sloth is more than general laziness. It's a lazy soul. The slothful person looks at God's transforming love and says, it's too much work. It's easier to be Martha, harder to be Mary. Mary's doing what is necessary. There are a lot of things we could do, but one thing is necessary. Luke tells us that Mary chose the good portion. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus calls us to listen first and then to service. So we need a relationship with Jesus, and all relationships take work. And if we refuse to do that work, it's not going to work. Not only will the relationship be in serious jeopardy, but we can miss out on the joy offered to us through that relationship. But the hard work of a relationship can at times make us want to give up or distract ourselves with something else, some of that busyness we talked about. And his answer was to be diligent, don't give in. When sloth rises up, following Jesus can feel too hard. Don't give in. Like Mary, sit at his feet, listen to what he says. The only antidote to sloth is diligence, perseverance, working at the relationship which is the hardest thing in the world when we are feeling lazy and our souls are bent toward laziness. <laughs> we say we want to change, but do we? You know, I don't want to be angry or I don't want to be greedy or I don't want to be jealous or whatever it might be. Change is not going to just happen. Peter said, practice these things. We much, must realize that practice makes virtue. Discipline makes virtue. And our motivation is not to earn his grace, you can't do that, but because of his grace. 
Early church fathers talked about how the best way to fight sloth is with the discipline of staying put. What they mean is doing what you know is right even when you don't want to. Diligence, instead of drifting, choose to step further in. We should do what we should be doing, not what we want to do, even when it feels like drudgery. We're busy with many things, so many things, <laughs> but one thing is necessary. God wants to make you whole, to transform you into the person he created you to be. So don't give in to sloth. We need J Jesus. And his third point, sloth is too lazy to love. Sloth refuses to do what love requires. That's why it destroys families and workplaces and communities. It's not just laziness, it's being too lazy to love. It's the result of that laziness. Jesus isn't telling Martha to stop working and go to Bible studies all day long. No. God loves us so that we will love others. When we don't, sloth impacts everyone around us. When we choose sloth or, to, or drift, it may feel innocent. And sure, we need rest and downtime. Down you know, workaholism is not a virtue, was not on that list we read. But if you're becoming a slothful person, we are robbing the people around us. It's a failure to love. Your family needs you, your neighbors and your friends need you, your church, your community, your clients, your classmates, whoever it is that you are around. They, Sloth sees the needs and opportunities for love and says, nah, it's too much work. <laughs> and so the answer is, be diligent, love your neighbor. Find places to serve in your church, in your community. Volunteering is good. And the primary work God has for you is the place where he's put you. It's the work you do day in and day out, whether you get paid for it or not, whether you like it or not. Practice diligence. And uh, Laura, was, uh, she brought that up um, in, our, in our class this morning. Um, that... Um, you just have to, um, you just have to keep, just keep on it, <laughs> you know, just keep doing it. And then you'll begin to see your work not simply as a collection of tasks, but as an opportunity to love. And it really becomes the perspective of what, what's in our hearts as we do those things that we need to do. Life is meant to be spent. Um, Heather Mitzel, uh, most of you go to church here know her, um, she gave her testimony about the children they just adopted, you know, and, and they had raised children, uh, you know, <laughs> and they adopted these, you know, three little kids, and that was one of the things she said is, you know, life isn't supposed to be easy, and they, um, you know, they've, they've started over raising these kids, and God put that on her and Wade's hearts, and they obeyed, and a lot of times that's all it takes is just obey, and that's why Jesus came. He spent his life for you and for me, and he longs to change us with his love. He constantly works on our behalf. And yes, he died for lazy people too, but he rose again to turn our sloth into love, to bring dignity and joy to our work and to our lives, to bring forgiveness when we fail and hope that we can change. This is the work he does, and it's the work he invites us into. So let's be diligent with what matters most. The other um, passage, there was a, a man named uh, Kyle J Johnson, Johnston who commented on Proverbs 24, 30, 34. 
and I've read this to you already, it's, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it, I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Man, and he said that laziness is seen in neglect. Lazy people neglect their roles and responsibilities instead of bearing fruit through diligence. Their lives are covered with nettles of neglect. I love that expression. Wherever you see the nettles of neglect in someone's life, you see traces of laziness. Where are the thorns in our lives? Where have we allowed the nettles of neglect to grow? And which areas of life are we most prone to neglect? And it can be anything. It can be house cleaning. It can be personal hygiene. It could be our to-do list, our relationship with God, or our relationship with others. You know, our, do we have relationships with others that are falling apart? And, and look around you. Look in your home and look in your office and look inside your car or look inside your computer. <laughs> what are you spending your computer time with? Um, or your phones, or um, where's the neglect? That's what you're looking for, is where's the neglect? And if we take a look inside of our soul, where would the neglect be? Whenever we see neglect, we see traces of laziness. Laziness is fueled by procrastination. Verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, is a quote from the previous proverb about the ant back in chapter 6, and it was in response to the question in verse 9, it says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? So the answer is not no, but later. Putting it off. Well, I'm just going to sleep a little bit more. The sluggard does not commit himself to a refusal, but deceives himself by the smallness of his surrenders. Matthew Henry says, The more, slothful, the, the more a slothful temper is indulged, the more it prevails. The more you give into it, the easier it is to do it again and again. So by inches and minutes, his opportunities slip away. Lazy people deceive themselves and fuel their neglect by being procrastinators. Um, and what are the consequences of such neglect? Solomon told us in verses 32 and 34, laziness seen in neglect leads to poverty. The sluggard's apathy decreased his productivity, and resulted in poverty. The point is that the lazy man one day awakens from his stupor to discover that he has become poverty-stricken. The poverty did not spring up overnight, but the realization of it has suddenly dawned on him. With arms folded, eyes closing in slumber, and mouth muttering rationalizations, sudden economic destruction overtakes the sluggard unaware. Now this is true economically, and that's surely the primary application here, but this poverty can also be expanded to include all the neglected areas of our lives, spiritual, physical, relational, etc. If we're not lazy, we'll reap the, the nettles of neglect and end up in poverty. So the main idea there is laziness seen in neglect is fueled by procrastination and results in poverty. <coughs> but there's a Japanese proverb that I found that I liked. It says, there is no poverty that can overtake diligence. There is no poverty that can overtake diligence. 
So how do we overcome laziness and replace it with diligence? <laughs> Scripture gives us several answers, but we're just going to look at a couple here. First, we can go and learn from the diligent ant. We can read about the proactive, forward-looking ant in Proverbs 6, and we can consider how we can become more proactive and diligent in those areas we are currently neglecting. We can imitate the harvest mentality of the diligent ant. And secondly, we can go to the Savior. Remember the message of Proverbs and the message of the Bible is not that we are wise. The message of Scripture is that inherently we are fools. <laughs> we need forgiveness and help. Jesus, of course, is the wise man and the diligent sage who, never, who was never lazy. And when we go to him in faith, where we when we behold him, we become more like him. So we go to him, we worship him, we dwell on him, and we seek to become more like the wise man. So go back to those areas you start on that first page and on that diligence list, and we take them to Jesus. We sit at his feet, and we learn, and then we practice that diligence. So that's all I have for today, so let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, it's overwhelming sometimes to, to look at your word and to realize the vast number of areas that need our focus. And Lord, we know that we cannot do those on our own and that we need you. And we just pray that you would just fill our hearts, Lord, with what you would have us to focus on and we just thank you for the example that you've been to us we thank you that we can go to you and we can learn and lord i just pray that you would just keep us mindful of this whole concept of diligence and um that we would recognize those areas of laziness and neglect in our lives and that we would work to um, route them out and we just pray lord that you would be with each of the ladies here and um, pray that you would bless them and that you would help them to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.